Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. possession you can have that's tangible and I say it that way because the Holy Ghost is the most important thing you can have the Spirit of God but to think in this book that's withstood the ages and it's withstood my handling too but anyway I picked out one of the old ones but this book contains everything you need to know about everything you need to know. You know, I mentioned in time past, particularly one time past, about the things I read and enjoy reading. I mentioned I enjoy reading uh, Mr. Grissom. I probably have had, had, I don't keep those things, but uh, when I read them, I'm through with them. So, of course, they're mostly on my Kindle, so I just delete them if, if I could figure out how to do it wherever Timothy is but anyway but uh, anyway uh, but mostly lately of course I've been reading some other kinds of books because of the what's going on in our in our nation been reading a lot of the politically uh, tuned books uh, because of what's happening what's taking place but anyway, different kinds of books. I don't need to say all that, but I did. But the most important book is this one. Amen. This one. I was thinking all those books I have read and are reading, I am reading, uh, it takes me about, oh, maybe two, three pages in a book to figure out where I'm going to read it or not. If it doesn't inter- interest me enough in the first two or three pages, it's gone. Again, if it's in the Kindle, one of these days I'll figure out or somebody help me how to delete all those things. But if it's a physical book, it's gone in the trash somewhere. But if it doesn't catch my, my attention after a couple of, even some of these religious books, I won't tell you who it is, but I got a couple at home right now that I got from a, Well, I'm, I'm sorry, baby. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I tell you what, this book, this book, just give me about three words or four. In the beginning, God. That's enough. That's enough to get me interested. That's enough to get my attention. Another thing, there's probably been maybe two, not, not more than that probably, but two or three maybe, the most books that I have reread because I enjoyed it. It's kind of like y'all that watch It's a Wonderful Life every Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> or around our house, and we had a little bitty monitor about, about that wide, about like that. And uh, Sister Wallace always wanted at that time we'd gather in that little old room and watch Gaither. 
I couldn't leave because that would be insulting, you know. So, so that was my yearly sacrifice. But anyway, but there has been a couple of books or so that I have reread. Uh, but that's that's been it. Usually when I read a book, I'm through and that's it. But look, let me tell you. You can read this a hundred thousand times. And the hundred thousand one times you'll see something you didn't see before. That's the way it is. I used to uh, mark in my back of my Bible, somewhere back after Revelation, uh, like this old one here. Bible read through December 14th, 1968. Bible read through November 18th, 1975. Bible read through October 7th, 1978. Anyway, in all of my Bibles, I wrote in the back about when I read it through. Some of the, some of the years there, two, two each year that I read through. And I'm, I must have surely overlooked some, but I only counted 36 times in all these years that I've read this Bible, I read a Bible through, but every time I pick it up and I start all over again, and I know you have plans, and I'm not messing with those plans. I, I don't understand reading one chapter from Max and one chapter from John and one chapter from Genesis and one chapter from Joshua. <clears throat> I don't, but you'd help yourself. Do as you please. <laughs> I like to read, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and go on. And the earth was void and without form and darkness covered the face of the earth. And then after a while, I'm going to get through Revelation 22 and the last verse where it says, amen. And I expect to do that probably sometime in April or something like that this year because I'm already in, I'm almost through with judges. But anyway... I'm not bragging, I'm just stating the fact that that's, that's, that's my reading book. That's my book. That's my book. That's my book. So, again, two or three pages, I'm, I, I know what I'm going to do. And if I read it once, I uh, probably won't read it again, of course. But when it comes to the book of books, I'm going to read it until I die. Because, again, there's something there that you didn't see the last time. Amen. Our text tonight is a familiar verse that's quoted by some many times or oftentimes in Psalm 119, that long Psalm. Psalm 119, you can maybe guess what it is, but it's verse 89. It's almost in the middle of that Psalm. In fact, on one side of that verse, there's 88 more verses. On the other side, there's 87. Uh, but anyway, Psalm 119 and verse 89, where the psalmist says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. There is no book in all the world. I don't care if it's Einstein that wrote a book. There is no book in the whole world that can even come close, even within 100 million miles of comparing with this book That's right. of all books. If Einstein wrote a, wrote a book, 
I could just about guarantee you that if somebody's living today that's equivalent to Einstein and his knowledge has written a book to contradict what he said or upgrade what he said because last year's medical journal's already out of date this year and so on we could go. But anyway, it's, it was written by men who were inspired by God to write the Bible because God had no pens nor paper. He's a spirit, but he anointed men to write his book. And every word, every word was written by holy men as they were inspired by the spirit. But regardless of the fact that men wrote the book, every word's God's. It's not man's, it's God's book, God's words. I remember years ago, many years ago, I often say that now, I asked a young man I was working with, would something come up, I don't remember what it was, but I asked him, I said, if I could show you in the Bible about this or you know what it is, would you believe it? And he, he had the audacity to say, which shocked me, well, I wouldn't believe something that somebody wrote about themselves. Well, he wasn't writing about himself. He's writing about God. But anyway, in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21, the Bible says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. I read again another time uh, some modern, at that time was modern, theologian or somebody that was a critic of the, writings of the Apostle Paul, and he had the audacity to say that if Paul, I don't remember what he's writing about, whether it was women's hair or dress or something anyway, whatever Paul was writing about, that uh, he said that if Paul was writing today, he wouldn't write it like that. He wouldn't say it like that. Well, I thought, well, you ignoramus. He wasn't saying what he thought. He was writing as God told him to write. So if he was writing in 2020, January the 28th, and God said it's a sin for a woman to cut her hair, he'd still write it that way. Right, or he, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, he'd still write it that way. Yes, Amen. There is, again, no book like this book. I know it's just words printed on paper, but it's more than that. It's God, the God-breathed book, as one writer put it, or something that meant that. That, that he has given to us to direct our lives through this old world of chaos and confusion. Again, let me repeat, because it's worthy of repeating, there is no other book like this book. As Sister Teresa so aptly and wonderfully sung a while ago, there is not another one like this one. Now, this psalm, not only we chose it because of uh, what's said here, but it's, it is one of the most interesting chapters in the entire Bible almost close to the middle of your Bible, but 100, and 100 uh, plus, what is it, 186 verses in this, uh, in this chapter or in this psalm. 119th psalm is unlike the other 149 psalms. It is not only the longest psalm in your Bible of the 150, but it's also the unique way in which it is compiled to me, which uh, is quite interesting. Again, I was going to ask you, but I didn't want to embarrass anybody, <clears throat> not hardly. <clears throat> but anyway, if you open your Bible 
you wouldn't be able to see what I see because you probably got it on iPhone or iPad or what is that other thing that frog draw drawed? Andra, that that thing. But if 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 you if you had it here in your Bible, you would see that this this psalm is divided into twenty-two parts. Why twenty-two parts? Because that's how many ver that's how many letters. Is that right? Yeah. That's how many letters are in the Hebrew language. Twenty-two parts, like our ABCs. How many? How many? How many are in our language? In our alphabet? Little girl, let's see. <laughs> so the the Hebrew alphabet is four letters less, 22, 22 letters, and so there are twenty two parts. And if you had your Bible instead of your iPhone or your iPad or your whatever, you would see that they are divided. Divided. See that that verse one. What is it? Say what's what? What is it? Top of it. That yeah, that word there. Aleph. That's close enough. Now, <laughs> now just, just go over here to, to this one. And what does that say? Uh, vowel. That's good enough. I don't know how to pronounce it either, so I'm not, I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm just, I'm just pointing out there are 22 uh, letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and this psalm is divided into 22 parts. And each one begins with uh, the letter of the alphabet, right. beginning with Aleph, or however you pronounce it, and ending with Tal, again, or however you pronounce it. So this, this in itself is interesting to me, that God didn't just throw a book together, right. or whoever wrote this psalm didn't just sit down one day and start writing. Yeah. Uh, it was, it's all preordained and inspired by God. Uh, there was a fellow named Calper. I picked up a couple of quotations that I thought were interesting. I don't know these fellows, but somebody did. But one by the name of Bishop Calper, he, ref he referred to this psalm as the Holy Alphabet. That sounds good. The Holy Alphabet, because again, it contains all 22 letters yeah. of the Hebrew alphabet. Another fellow by the name of uh, Philip Henry which I thought this was so interesting to me. He recommended his children to take a verse, uh, a verse of, of this psalm every morning, take a verse, meditate on it, and go over this psalm twice a year then by taking one verse one day when the year's over with, you done gone through all of them, but to think on it all day long, just meditate on what that verse says. And, and that to me was so Interesting, and, and it will bring you to, a, uh, to be in love, he said, with the rest of the scriptures, with the rest of the scriptures. There, there are 10 words. I knew that the Psalm, Psalm 119, uh, there is in every verse, there's something relative that refers to the law, or the commandments or something like that, the statutes. So I knew that was there, but I had never taken the time to consider or to look at the words. And there are, there are 10 of them. It's the law, the, the word law, testimonies, ways, precepts, statutes, commandments, judgments, word, truth, righteousness. 
Those are the ten words that are found in every one of those are found in every verse in these uh, verses, 186 verses of the 119th Psalm, except three. I don't know why. That was God's business. But the, the 90th verse, verse 90, verse 122, and verse 132, none of these words are used there. But it emphasizes the importance of the law, of God, what God had given to Israel, the law, mentioned in every verse except those three. In this, we can see that the psalmist is emphasizing the value as well as the importance of the word of Yahweh, yes, of the word of Jehovah. It emphasizes to us it's his word, again, his word, not the psalmist, but God's word. And the psalmist said in this text, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever. The word of God is not a, a manual, let me put it in my words, not a manual for a generation to teach them how to live and to conduct themselves until the next generation comes along with a new idea and a new plan and a new Bible to give a new and fresh collection of verses or scriptures or whatever. The Word of God is forever. Amen. It's for every generation. It's for every family. It's for every home. It's for every individual. Now, this word forever, taken from the Hebrew word, olam, some of the meanings, and there are several meanings, of course, but some of the distinct meanings of this particular word are interesting and important. It's derived from a word that means eternity. Eternity. And also from a word that means always. And it's derived from a word that means without end. I know there are all kind, or different kinds of new, uh, I start to say new versions. Maybe that's not the right word to use. Uh, but anyway, there are all kind of new Bibles being put on the on the market, uh, but I'll stick with this one. Amen. I'll stick with this one. I remember when we were uh, involved with the publishing house in Memphis. I remember when that uh, book came out. It was called "Good News for Modern Man" by the American Bible Society. You know, it sounds good. Good news for modern man. We need some news for modern man. But that book, it, it eventually, it started out like the living Bible. It started out with, you know, one book and then kept going up till the whole, I guess they finally got the whole Bible as the good news. I don't know. But that is so the most useless, worthless piece of trash that anybody could, could pick up because it is, any, it is anything but good news. Anytime you take the blood out of the Bible, that's bad news. And anytime you undeify what's referred to as deity, that's bad news. And anytime you say, instead of saying a virgin, you say a young lady, that's bad news. That's, Mary was not only a young lady, she was a virgin. Listen to what the Bible says. And this is, let me emphasize something in this as well. In Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19, the, the Lord spoke through John and he recorded, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. 
if any man shall add unto these things, God shall take, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And then notice what he said. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city from things which are written in this book. Amen. If any man will take away from the words of this book. That's interesting. Because again, in the rewriting that men have done, they've changed the words. That changes the meanings, the definition. And the warning was, wording, the warning was that if you take away from the words of this book, not take the word out, but some of them do that too, of course, but the meaning of the words. In Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus very plainly said that heaven and earth is going to pass away. But what? Amen. Shall not pass away. It's eternal. You know, when, when Hitler and some of these other weirdos, uh, dictators, whatever, come to power, one of the first things they want to do besides take arms away from people, guns away from people, they want to take books away from them. Any kind of book that's contrary to their uh, ideology and crazy uh, thinking, especially go back in time, way beyond Mr. Hitler, back to the time of the Dark Ages, as they are termed, or the time of the Inquisition, the Church of Rome. No telling how many holy writings by different ones like Tyndale and Cloverdale, and I'm, I'm lost now. But anyway, uh, they that wrote, tried to write, or did write the Bible in the language of the people, many of them were put to death, the Bibles were confiscated, the old church of Rome says, you're not qualified to read the Bible. You're not qualified to interpret the Bible. That interpretation belongs to the Pope. That interpretation belongs to the priests. And you're not qualified. Hogwash. And that's the reason they destroyed the Bibles or the writings of those men was because they knew if the people ever got hold of the Bible and read it for themselves, they knew, they would know that mass is paganism. They would know that praying to Mary is paganism. They would know that a trinity is a pagan a term or ideology. They would know those things because here we got it and we know better than that, don't we? Because it's in the book. Mm-hmm. It's in the book. So just, just leave it in the book. Now, when the governments of this world, and they will, Many have and others will. When they have folded up their books and their rules right. and their regulations by which the people are commanded or told or uh, to conduct their lifestyles, when that's all over with and been dissolved and replaced by something else, the Word of God, which will still be the standard for all of us, regardless of where we may be, God's Word will not change. It has not altered. I know again, men have written, uh, and I started to say revised, and maybe that's a good word, uh, re a version, and maybe that's a good word. I don't know. But a lot of these books, of course, there are no original writings available uh, anymore, but this book, which is taken from the Textus Receptus, 
The King James Version is the closest, I think I can say without being contradicted, is the closest that we can come to to the original writings. Right. And that's why, again, it's, that it has been uh, attacked, vilified, and so many have tried to replace it with their own uh, interpretation of the scriptures. The laws and the rules of the government have changed by whatever power of authority that's been in authority. And the cycle has continued as a new power comes into existence. They come in with their new religious systems or the outlawing yes, of religion altogether. Yes, but again, the word of God remains the same. Amen. When we were in Russia some years ago, been several years ago now, first trip to Russia, we went there with a group to teach in a, uh, a, a church there, and there were a lot of the old Catholic, or not Catholic, <laughs> old Russian pastors that came uh, to uh, hear us. And I was surprised because I'd heard so much through the years about uh, the governments and of dictates of Stalin and Lenin and Marx and so on. Uh, I've heard them talk about just having a little page out of a Bible, like treasure it. But I asked I ask those old fellers. At that time, they were older than me. But I asked those fellers, you know, have, have you always had a Bible? And I was surprised. They said, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's where they came from. I don't know. But I know that in many places in Russia, they were persecuted and forbidden to have the word of God. And they did prize a page many, in many places. Uh, but anyway, there's, there's not going to be any voting going on tomorrow to decide what laws will govern our lifestyle. It will be the same law which we hold today. I've been holding in my hands, and it's thy word. Not Professor Tinkling Symbol or Dr. Sounding Brass's words. It's thy word. Thy word, O Lord. Thy word, O Lord. And this word, this expression, thy word, as you know, there have been many charlatans that have appeared on the scene throughout history who have claimed to have the word of God only to prove that, well, it was not the word of God. Each prominent religious system that has arisen have presented their own quote-unquote Bible. A good example of that, remember that fellow? I think his name was Joe or something like that, that claimed that an angel appeared to him yeah. and he had some gold and plates he showed Mr. Joe and, 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 and Joseph supposedly transcribed those. What was? It's strange. You know, if, if, if an angel would give me a golden plate, I think I would put it in the bank or someplace. <laughs> I think I'd preserve it so, so I, can, I can convince everybody this Bible I've got here, <clears throat> this Bible I've got here is from these words, and I can compare it. It would be kind of like when that shepherd wrote bird, that shepherd boy threw that rock in that Qumran cave, and he found all those, those jars that were full of, script, full of scriptures and scrolls and whatever, and one of them was the book of Isaiah. I think there were some people holding their breath. <gasps> Ooh. Reckon it will read like this, Isaiah. If it's the word of God, it'll read the same. And when they unrolled that scroll of Isaiah and laid it down and 
took this Isaiah and laid it beside it. It was word for word practically all the way through because it was God's word. It was Isaiah wouldn't write his theories and suppositions. He was writing the word of God. But anyway, Mr. Mormon, of course, that's not their only problem. But Mr. Mormon, Mr. Joseph, no, that's, I'm confused in it. No, I'm not. Wasn't his name Joseph Smith? Yeah. It's kind of like that fellow was with us today, Sister Judy. Sister Judy was smiling at me because I was getting close to him. But she had told me, she had warned me ahead of time that he was a pastor of a Baptist church somewhere, and he was sitting on our Bible study today. I got so tempted. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, Mr. Smith, uh, there was another, not only this Joseph Smith that started the Mormon mess, but also uh, there was another Smith, uh, uh, his name was John, not Joseph. His name was John. John Smith in, in 1609, he's the one that started that, 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 that kind of teaching that Sister Judy was telling me that fellow believes. Once saved, always saved. Once in grace, always in grace. Now, talking about a big bunch of garbage, that's it. Amen. It stinks it's so bad because I've heard them preach funerals. I've heard them. I've heard them. And so-and-so, he's all right because when he was 12 years old, he made a confession of faith. He might have been a bank robber after, an adulterer, and an idolater, and a liar, and a thief. But he made that confession of faith when he was 12 years old. He's saved. Again, hogwash. Amen? So anyway, that's why I was tempted to. But I, 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 I didn't yield to the temptation. I, well, I come. <laughs> well, you didn't think I couldn't keep from coming close, at least. <laughs> I, 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 what she's talking about, I was talking about uh, the word saved. Saved. You know, the Bible uses it three ways. You've been saved. You are being saved. You shall be saved. And that's what she was concerned about where I was going with that. <laughs> but anyway, we have been, I've been saved. I am saved. And every day God saves me. Every day. But I'm looking forward to that day when I'm going to be saved eternally. Amen. And then there was those fellows called the so-called, that's what I call so-called Jehovah's Witnesses. They have their own book their Bible, the kingdom, I forget, I got one of them in there in my office and I forgot what, I should have brought it out or write it down, I forget what it's called, kingdom or something. But anyway, those, those poor fellas back when they started way back yonder, they predicted, they prophesied that in 19, I think it was 1914 or somewhere in that area, 19 something like that, 15, 14, that it would all, the, that would be the end of the 144,000 that would be saved and, and that would be it. Well, it so happened, I had one of those books that said that, that one of those Bibles, quote-unquote Bibles. And then I found out later they, had, they revised it, they reworded it because it didn't happen that way. It didn't happen that way. And then there's, there's another group that are, now these are, these are sure weirdos. 
they're authorized to cut your head off if you don't agree with them. And they got their own Bible, their own Koran or Koran, however, however they choose to spell. We were in a hotel one time in Pakistan, and the, the, the mate, what would you call it? He's a man, not a woman. You call a woman a maid, don't you? Is a man a maid too? What is he? Mater? But anyway, the fellow that cleaned up my room or whatever it was, was a young man. And they had this, this Bible, Koran, in, in there. And uh, just, in fact, I've got it in my office in there. I asked him, I said, could I have, could I have that, that Bible, that Koran? And he said, well, he'd have to talk to his boss. And he came back maybe the next day or so and told me, he said that his boss told him I could have it. But he said, now, when you put it up, you got to put it like that. You know, so it's turned, the back is turned towards you and whatever. That's, well, you can go in my office find it. It's not that way. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's, that's their, their writings. Yeah. But the unique difference, and probably other religious systems have their own writings as well, but I thought of those three. The un dif unique difference between the religious writings of, of, the, of the world Okay, of the of these uh, is that to me the one of the most distinct and uh, evident differences between those writings and the Word of God is this is Thy Word, it is God's Word, yes. and in this book, in this book, there are literally hundreds of prophecies. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hundreds, hundreds. I don't remember, it seemed like I read years ago about somebody claimed or told how many uh, prophecies of Jesus that were given in the Old Testament and he fulfilled every one of them. Not, I know somebody said he did it purposely. No, he did it because it was the word of God and God said that's the way it's going to be and that's the way it was. But anyway, there are literally hundreds of prophecies in this book, many of them obviously have been fulfilled, but there's a whole God more that hasn't been fulfilled yet. And that's, that makes it exciting. Yes, sir. Amen. Now, literally hundreds. Uh, uh, Genesis 3.15 is, I guess we could say, the first prophecy which relates to the coming of Jesus Christ and relates to the, the, the defeat of, the, of dev, the devil himself. Where, where the Lord said he put enmity between the woman, the serpent, and the womb, between thy seed and her seed is going to bruise your head and you're going to bruise his heel. Well, I, if I'm going to attack an enemy, I'd rather knock him in the head any time and stomp on his foot. So the Lord defeated Satan. He's already defeated, folks. You don't have to worry about it. The Bible in Hebrews 2, 4, 2.24 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, that's what Calvary was about, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Amen. Now this word destroy is interesting because we know the devil is still very much alive. And when we think of destroy, we think of annihilation. We think of something that's kaput, it's gone. But we know the devil's still very much alive. But one of the meanings of the word of destroy means put out of business. 
I like that, 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 that he's put out of business. Sure, he's real, but he can't bother me because I've got the Holy Ghost because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen? Now, this prophecy uh, in Genesis 3.15 was like 4,000 years before Calvary, and it was fulfilled. Let me hurry. Isaiah 7.14 is where it speaks about a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. And we know from Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, is it, that Emmanuel means God with us. That was 735 years before it was fulfilled. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 16 is where the crowd gathered around and witnessed the 120 being filled with the Holy Ghost and acting like they were drunk people. And Peter said to them, they're not drunk like you think they are. They're not drunk like you suppose. <coughs> and he was quoting from, Isaiah, from Joel when he went on to say, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. In Joel 2 and verse 28 is where Joel prophesied that God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters would prophesy. Old men would dream dreams and young men would see vision. This prophecy was 800 years before Pentecost. There, this is, again, you could go many, many more, of course, but just these three I picked out. To emphasize, it was prophesied of Isaiah that prophesied about that virgin. He didn't live to see that happen. Joel didn't live to see that happen. And, of course, Eve didn't seem to live that happen either. But, anyway, the point is, everything in that book, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It may not happen in your lifetime, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I know 30, 40, 50 years ago I was preaching that I expect the Lord to come and I expect to be in the rapture. I expect, I, I'm, I'm not preaching that too hard nowadays, but anyway. But by faith, I'm still expecting to be in the rapture. Amen. Amen. Although I, I did have a birthday recently. See this? Don't that look good? That's birthday stuff but anyway <laughs> now we turn the clock ahead first Thessalonians 4 verse 16 through 18 says that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout the voice of the archangel the trump of God the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and yeah. so shall we ever be with the Lord and comfort one another with these words that hasn't happened yet, but it could happen tomorrow. In fact, I think it could happen before we get home tonight, and I'm not very far from home. I believe it could happen because look at what's been fulfilled. Look at the prophecies that have been fulfilled. I know we could scratch our head, and, and, and so many years ago we, when, when we read in Revelation 13 about all those people being numbered and marked and what, how in the world could that happen? It's happening right now. And the, and the ability to do it is happening right now. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just stating facts. That which we could not imagine even could feasibly happen is happening right now. We're watching scriptures being fulfilled right now. In the book of Jude, verses 14 and 15, that's chapter 1. In verses 14 and 15 is where Jude referred to the prophecy of Enoch. And he said, he said, the Lord's coming with ten thousands 
of his, that's plural, 10,000s. I don't know how many that is, but it's a bunch. 10,000s of his saints to execute judgment and so on and so forth. Now, that's a prophecy that hasn't been full yet, fulfilled yet either. I believe Jude was talking, or Enoch was talking about Revelation 19:11, where John said he saw the heavens open and the Lord coming on that white, house, white horse and he's got crowns on his head. And behind him are the horses of heaven, the armies of heaven. I believe that's us, the redeemed. I believe that's what Jude was saying, seeing when he said the Lord come with the ten thousands of his saints. Before he can come with his saints, he's got to come and get us. And I believe he's coming to get us. I believe he's coming to get you. I believe he's coming to get me. Amen. And there are so many prophecies that we have recorded in the New Testament concerning future events that will be fulfilled in proper time, including a new earth and new heavens. Because Peter said that one of those days the Lord's going to come in 2 Peter 3 and verse 10, and in which he said the heavens will pass away with a great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the works and the, uh, the earth and works therein shall be burned up. My, my, but he's going to create new heavens and a new earth. What a day that's going to be. So now you and I think about this. Let me, let, me, let me throw this at you. You and I, just stop and think of it. You've had a prophecy fulfilled in your own life. Yes, sir. I believe that. I believe that. Amen. How many of you have the Holy Ghost? Woo, look at that. Almost everybody. Amen. Oh, and everybody needs it. Right. Did you know that's a fulfillment of prophecy? Because Acts 2.38, Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall. <laughs> That's prophecy. You yes. shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yes, That's prophecy. Now, let me ask you another question. How many of you have had a prayer answered? <laughs> oh, Yes. Oh, yes, that's prophecy being fulfilled because Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, ask and you shall receive. Yes, sir. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be asked, uh, answered. Now, isn't that interesting? Ask, seek, knock. That's ask, isn't it? A-S-K. And it shall be. That's prophecy. Have you ever had a prayer answered? Sure you have. Sure you have. How many of you have been, uh, been healed by the touch of God? How many has had a healing? I don't care if it's a headache or a toe ache. How many has had a healing? That's prophecy being fulfilled. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16 and verse 18, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's prophecy being fulfilled. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, we have wonderful prophecies that are given to us that we are looking forward to, anxiously, if you will, looking forward to. And one of those, another one of those is that we chose to share here is that which is found in the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 3 and verse 20, where Paul said, our conversation. You know what that word conversation could be translated if you got it? Well, you haven't because your Bible is on one of these things. But if you had a Bible Bible, <laughs> If you, you, you would find that that word conversation could, in fact, in the center column reference of the Bible, 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 
It's citizenship. Oh, that sounds good. Your citizenship, for our citizenship is in heaven. I don't belong to this world anymore. Mm -hmm. I went to get my, uh, my, what did I get? Driver's license, I think it was. Anyway, you know they got you know they got this new thing. It's got to be a certain kind of some kind of emblem on your driver's license. And I said, well, I, in order in order to get on a plane, in order to get on vehicles, public vehicles, you got to have this new license now, driver's license. And I said, well, I don't use it to get on a plane. I got a passport. Oh, you got to have that. Got to have that. And he said, you got to have this and this and this. And one of them was your birth certificate. Well, mine is old and yellow and decrepit, but I still had it. And I took it to them. I got it. Here you are. And they looked at it and looked at it and looked at it and said, it won't work. <laughs> That's a copy of your birth certificate. So I had, to, I had to contact Missouri, pay some money, and get the birth certificate. And then I found out. I should have said something about it, but I'm nice. I found out later, you didn't need that if you had a passport. <laughs> and I tried to tell them to begin with, I got a passport. But anyway, I read the rules later somewhere, and it said what you needed was your passport. Your passport would do. You don't need the birth certificate. But anyway, why did they get on? Our citizenship is in heaven. My name's in a book up yonder. Yes, sir. <laughs> Whoa, glory, I, I, and I got some books in this storage place I'm going to throw away, I think, because they spelled my name wrong. <laughs> I used to get phone calls and say, is Monica there? No, there's nobody here by the name of Monica. <laughs> I was so thankful that my mother named me Matsia at times like that. But uh, is it already over with? Is it that late already? Okay, I'll hurry, okay? I'll hurry, I'll hurry. But anyway, I got some books in there which on the front it says Monica Walls. <laughs> I don't have enough hair to even look like a woman. <laughs> but I'll, I'll probably throw them away. If you'd like to have some of them to give away, you help yourself. It's the one in there that says, Under what were you baptized? That's it, I believe. It's a good book. I wrote it. <laughs> our, our citizenship is in heaven yeah. from whence we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile, ugly body. I'm adding to it. Amen. That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. First John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's a prophecy. Amen. That's a time we're looking forward to. Yes, Amen. And I could go on here, but I, I better stop. I've done run over. That, that great cloud of witnesses that the Hebrews writer spoke of, jump up to Hebrews 12 and 1, seeing we're also accomplished about with so great a cloud of witnesses. I don't know what you think about that, but I'll tell you what I think it is, and I think I'm right. The crowd of, crowd, cloud of witnesses 
Some of those witnesses have come from, from these pews. Some of those witnesses have come from this 115-year-old church almost. Some of those witnesses, I believe, are that cloud, if you will. I don't understand after life, after death, I don't understand why they're not, they're not out there in White, White, White River Cemetery or Proctor. That's not where they are. It's just bodies out there. And probably those that's been buried a long time, it's no longer bodies. It's just ashes, ashes or whatever, if you will, or remains. But where they are is somewhere in the third heaven, in paradise. They're waiting for the time when all of these down here, all of us, and the church is complete. The last one has been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and received the Holy Ghost and yes, begins sir. to speak in tongues. And I know I don't have a scripture per se to, to qualify saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I believe when that happens, the Lord's going to look around at his angels and, and, and us that are up there and say, it's time. That's the last one. The church is fulfilled now. That's the last one. That's the that's the one that got in more than this, the 11th hour, if you will. Let's go get my bride. Let's go get my church. Let's go get my redeemed. Let's go get those baptized in my name and washed in my blood. Hallelujah. And he's going to call us all home to be with glory. That great cloud that's going on before us, waiting for the rest of the body waiting for the rest of the church. Why do we believe that? Why do we believe that these things are going to happen? Why do I believe it? Because I read it right here in this. I read it right there. I quoted it for you in some places because it's, it's his word, because it's thy word. Because it's the word of God. That's why I believe it. The unalterable, the unchangeable word of God. Thank God for his word. Thank, would you stand? Thank God for his word. Thank God for his promises. Amen. As Paul said, his promises are yea and in him. Amen. Thank God for his word. Thank God for his word. Thank you, God, that we can have your word. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.